I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Here's my coffee. I'm Page, your host. Today we're going to be getting into Revelations chapter 5. Now before we get started though, I'd like to set the stage, if you will. Have you ever had a dream, or in the dream, everything makes wonderful, complete, total sense, it's logical, it flows, and then you wake up from that dream, and you're just going, and you're trying to tell somebody else about what you dreamed, and they're looking at you like you're crazy, or what the what? And then as you're telling it, you're realizing, wow, that didn't make much sense, as much sense as I thought it did. Well, that's kind of what's happening here in Revelation. John is having, John's having a vision. He's he's telling what he saw in his vision. And he's giving a direct report about what he saw. And I suppose that many of us, as we're sitting on this side of John's vision, we're looking at it, sometimes we're going, gosh, John, what did you eat before you went to bed? Because there's dragons and suns and stars flying everywhere and there's creatures with four faces and lots of eyes and wings and things of this nature. And I get a sense that when John was seeing this during the vision, he's going, it makes wonderful sense. But here we are. And part of our problem with this is that, again, we're not looking at it within a totally correct context especially us Gentiles. There's a very much a Jewish context to what John is providing for us here in chapter 5. And if you understand a little bit of that, and I'm not setting myself up as an expert on Jewish context. I have a friend of mine, uh, a couple friends of mine who are Messianic Jews who are helping me with this, but I'm not an expert on it. But I know enough to know that this kind, this part of his vision makes sense if you understand the Jewish cultural and scriptural context. Now, the other thing is about Revelation, I think is going to happen. And again, I'm not saying that I know this is what's going to happen because I'm not an expert on all things Revelation. Um, but something very strange has happened to me. I saved this book for last for a couple of reasons. One, because, well, it's the last one. It's the last letter, last document produced in the uh, New Testament era. And it closes down the New Testament and the Bible for us Protestants. And, but I also saved it for last because it's weird. And I'm apprehensive of it because it's very much a series of visions that mean something. So you have to look past the, past the imagery to see what in the world John is talking about. And I'm very inadequate in this arena. And so I've saved it for last because of those two reasons. But something very strange has happened. 
my usual pattern is uh, I'll go to bed at 8 30, 9 o'clock at night, and I wake up at 6 30 or 7, review what I'm going to be sharing on the devotional, and do the devotional at 8. But since starting Revelation, like today, I woke up at 5 a.m. Why? I woke up at 5 a.m. thinking about and ex- getting excited about what chapter 5 in Revelation is going to show me. I didn't know everything it was going to show me. I just woke up excited because I knew there was something there cool for me and some and another level of understanding which is going to set the stage for the next thing in chapter 6. So I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning, and I've been at it since then. And right now it's 6.54 a.m., and I'm getting ready to do my devotional at 8 a.m. This isn't that Facebook Live devotional. This is my a different recorded version of it. And I'm excited. For the first time in my life, I'm excited to see what Revelation has for me. And one more thought. I have a sense that Revelation is going to be like this one series that I've been binge-watching on uh, streaming. It's called The Firm, and it's a a suspense, crime-solving, related, lawyer, legal thing series of 22 episodes. And it's very well done, very well written. Uh, The actors are incredible. Um, It's really interesting because there's several layers of plots going on. Every episode has a has a plot of something that this lawyer is going to solve within the context of just that one episode. But there's half a dozen threads, other subplots that are going on, of things he's dealing with in a bigger picture that as you go through this series, these things start coalescing and coming together until you get to the climactic last episode and all things are revealed. And it makes sense at the end, what you saw at the beginning that you didn't understand. It's kind of like what Revelation is going to be for me, I think. I think that as we go through Revelations, I go through Revelations, I'm going to see all these sub-threats and plots coalesce and come together. That's So I'm excited. So having said that, let's get started. Let's jump right on into it. Uh, You're looking here, uh, I've got three scriptures up here that we're going to use as a backdrop for this passage in chapter 5. Ezekiel 2, 9 and 10 says, Then I looked and saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. The scroll is a scroll of judgment. Isaiah 29, 11, For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this, please, they'll answer, I can't. It's sealed. Daniel. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. All right. So the idea of a scroll is not news to the Jewish person. Chapter 1. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Now you're going to see the number seven throughout this thing. One of the few things I know about numbers is that the number seven is the the number of completion. God completed his creative work in seven days. All right, seven is completion. 
I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Nothing more to be added to the scrolls. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. Hint, the lion is the lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the warring leader, is also the sacrificed lamb. Makes sense in a dream, doesn't it? Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the sevenfold spirit of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Now in the Old Testament, a new song celebrates a new act, a divine deliverance or blessing. And this is the new song the new deliverance, the new blessing. It's not just about Israel anymore. You have purchased for God people from every tribe, every language, every people and nation. You've made them all to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Now, priest's purpose is to represent God to the non-priest and to represent the non-priest to God. Now, representing God to the non-priest, that's the act of ministry um, where you are uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the act of, of ministering God's blessings to the world around you. Representing the needs of the non-priest to God, well, that's your act of prayer, bringing their needs to God. Now, God, instead of having a handful of priests in a central location called Jerusalem, now he has priests all around the world. You have made people from every tribe and language and people and nation to be a kingdom and priests. God's kingdom is now represented everywhere in the globe. Psalms 33 says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. <laughs> that's, the th that's the sense here. Notice the theme of the song. With your blood, you purchased persons from every tribe and nation. The sacrificial death of Christ is central to New Testament teaching. That's the new song. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands. And ten thousands times ten thousand. In other words, innumerable. 
They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Now up here, the 24 elders and the four creatures celebrated that Jesus was worthy to open the scroll. He was slain. He purchased people from every tribe and language and nation. And here, the angels, all the angels, they say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. They're rejoicing over the power and majesty of the one who was slain, who is risen from the dead. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worship. Now, we're setting the stage for the next episode. There was a scroll. This scroll has important information on it. And we're going to find out it's going to be important information concerning the upcoming judgments. You see, throughout history, there's always been a cycle of judgment, restitution, judgment, restitution. Israel would obey and be blessed. Israel would disobey and be disciplined. Sometimes a nation would come in and take them as captives and destroy the nation. But God would always repatriate them. God would always restore them. So there's obedience, disobedience, punishment or discipline, restoration. This cycle has gone on from time immemorial. We're coming up to the last judgment from which there will be no repatriation. God's patience eventually reaches its limit. And in Revelations, we're going to see what's going to happen in the last judgment. And God has moved out of Israel, and now God is all around the world. In every tribe, every culture, every people. And there's coming a time when there will be one final judgment, and that's what we're going to be talking about in this scroll. And there's only one person worth it to open that scroll, and that's Yeshua. If you are of Jewish extract, you understand what, what John is saying here. Yeshua is going to open the scroll of Daniel, of Ezekiel, of Isaiah. This is a big thing. Now, one last thought. I'm not sure of the relevance. This is just something I noticed pattern. In verse 8 and 9, we have four living creatures and 24 elders worshiping. In verse 11 and 12, uncountable number of angels worshiping. In verse 13, Every created thing worships. I have these arrows here, small, medium, large. Um, it's like it's a, if as a, as a composer and arranger, he's building up to a crescendo. He's, he's bringing in um, the strings, four living creatures and 24 elders worshiping. Then he's bringing in the woodwinds, the angels singing and worshiping. 
And then he adds the brass and the percussion to this huge sound of worship. Mm. Leading us up to chapter six. They're worshiping because the one who can open the scroll and reveal its contents is here. Well, that's all for today. I hope you're blessed. God is good. He's on the throne. I can't wait for chapter six. Have a great and glorious day. This is Paige. Here's my coffee. I'm out of here. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.